this is kind of the fruit, the synopsis of all the work that I've had to do in my own life to figure out who I was. And so that's why we're passionate about calling our worship ministry third culture worship is that because we feel that this journey of self-discovery leads us all to our creator. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio, and Aisha Woods, Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and musician. Together, they talk with artists and industry insiders to discover our connection between music and faith. You can connect with us on Facebook or Twitter, at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Aisha. Hey, welcome to Between the Grooves. Hope you have your coffee. I've got mine. Do you have yours, Aisha? I have tea. Oh, okay. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs> coffee is the only acceptable beverage to drink while you're listening to Between the Grooves. Can I can I make that statement? English breakfast tea. English breakfast tea. Okay. Gotta have some. Okay, as long as it's hot. As long as it's hot. <laughs> We're in fall now. We're in autumn, and cold beverages are just not a thing. <laughs> Anyways, today it's all about music, of course, and adding a little bit of culture into the music. Yes. Um, We live in a multicultural world. I live in a very multicultural city. Toronto is very, Mm -hmm. very multicultural. There's, you know, you name it. um, People move from all over the world to Toronto. And so it's very dynamic. It's always changing. It's uh, whether it's the people themselves, the language. The food, mm-hmm. the food, whatever else, it's it's very, very different all the time, which is great. That's nice. I, you know what? That's interesting. You're there in in a pretty multicultural society and uh, city. I am too. And our guest today is also from a pretty multicultural city, California, right smack in California, San Jose. Now, how do you know Vaughn? I'm trying to think. My initial connection was... Through ministry. Okay. And we went to um, a Vietnamese restaurant the last time we were with Vaughn. Best food ever. Oh my gosh. I can almost still taste it. And it's been some years. (laughs) But it was so, so good. And I actually have not been to an authentic Vietnamese restaurant since then. It could just be heartburn, the reason why you can still taste it. (laughs) Oh, All these years later. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, I can still almost taste it. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. But we're not going to be talking about food in this episode, what we just did. We're not really going to be talking about food. We're just going to be talking about different cultures. And everybody, mm-hmm. you know, comes from, um, when you think about North America specifically, everybody in North America has come from a different country initially, the forefathers and everything else. For sure. And so mm-hmm. we've become this eclectic group of people that are yes. all trying to get along and work together and play together and make music together. And that's yes. what this conversation is about. Vaughn Thompson on Between the Grooves. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Vaughn, I just watched um, I Am Third Culture. Oh, okay. So, and I would encourage everyone to watch I Am Third Culture. Just I'm telling you. Google that online on YouTube or whatever. Um, you know, it's interesting because we live in a world of short attention spans. And I don't know how, like, if you're listening to a sermon at church or you're watching something online, 
it's easy just to click on to the next video, right? Mm-hmm. And I could not click on to the next video. Um, I'm telling you. I work at a radio station. I'm the morning show host and I'm the music director in Toronto at a Christian radio station. And can I tell you, when I get songs sent to me, first 20 seconds, 30 seconds of the song, and I've already decided if I'm going to add it or not. Mm. Wow. <laughs> For me to watch wow. the entire video, it was, right. you know, like I had to keep From watching. From start to finish. From start to yeah. finish. Absolutely. It mm. was very well done, very well explained. And made me think, what is a minority these days anyways? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, first of all, thank you for for watching and uh, the feedback on it. It's uh, We were just trying to find a way to just kind of explain to people what we mean when we say third culture. And yeah. um, so it was just really just trying to tell our story in a in a different type of way. Um in a creative way and also a way that we thought was fun. And um, yeah, and it's, it's honestly, it was quite interesting that I never even sat down trying to do it. It was just, <laughs> it, it was a, a collection of lines and phrases when uh, people would ask us, what is their culture? Well, we, and then we try to explain it this way, that way. And so I just started collecting phrases and rhymes uh, and it just, just started accumulating and uh and my wife said she liked it when i read it to her one time and i was like i respect her opinion so i was like okay well let's try it and then then it turned into like how can we add visuals to it and um yeah so and then it just came into to what you see uh, see now and um it's it's been a fun project for us you guys have a a little guy is he in that video he is. He play. He okay. plays young me. Yeah, that's awesome. So for yeah. so for those who have not yet seen the video, but they're planning to see the video, just a uh, I'll I'll call it Cole's notes. I don't know if you know that expression, but um, I've never heard of it. Cole's. So it, when when you're in school, uh, I guess high school, and you had to do a book report or something you could buy a book called Cole's Notes and it would give you the synopsis of the book and kind of a cheat sheet in a sense because, well, the teacher would know that you used the Cole's Notes uh, basically (laughs) to to know what the story was about or what the book was about and stuff. So could you give us a Cole's Notes on what I Am Third Culture is? Well, I would say it's it's my attempt to define the, the phrase third culture through my story and how it connects to my faith and how I believe that it connects all of us to our origin, our creator. Mm -hmm. The term third culture classically has been used by a sociologist uh, named Ruth Hill Usain, who observed the behavioral patterns of missionary kids and military kids growing up in foreign countries. Mm. And so she, she observed that these children would grow up, in a culture that they were not familiar with. And they would have to naturally navigate this world of intersection between their parents' birth culture and the culture that they were immersed in. Hmm. So, so as they would go to school, they would naturally have to probably speak another language at school. They would eat different foods at school. Uh, they would be surrounded by people that didn't look like them at school. And then they would have to go home and then they would have to put on another hat speak another language, engage in another culture. And she said that as these kids develop, they would naturally 
integrate their first culture with their second culture. And regardless of the combinations of whatever their ethnicities and their cultures and their languages, they would naturally develop this unique and distinct third culture. Mm. Um, would be some a hybrid, a fusion of the two that would create something distinct and new. And um, so when I heard this, when I started reading some of her writings, I realized that this gave me language to interpret my bicultural upbringing that I struggled with so much. You know, I just, I, I, I didn't feel Korean. I didn't feel white. I felt yeah. other. And it was, it sounds weird to talk about it now, but like it bought, you know, it was, it stunted my emotional maturity. Mm. Uh, I, I harbored a lot of anger towards Korean people and towards white people. I think, and it caused me to be very insecure. Uh, and, to the point where, like, I, I literally took a trip to Korea to meet my family, uh, to where it was the first time I actually felt Asian in my life. Um, wow. So it was this, it was really just me trying. This is kind of the fruit, the synopsis, or the Coles notes, if you will, of all the work that I've had to do in my own life to figure out who I was. And so that's why we're passionate about calling our worship ministry third culture worship, is that because we feel that this journey of self-discovery leads us all to our creator. Um, mm. So it's like we, we're all third culture people in the sense that like spiritually, this world is not home. And so yeah. we need to live with the intentionality that, okay, how can we engage this culture that we're not actually of this culture? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's it's become somewhat of a passion for us, too, is like even as we are raising a third culture kid ourselves. Like yes. How, how can we give him language that he doesn't get stuck in saying, like, well, mom, am I Mexican or am I Korean or am I uh, what is it? You know, and, and to have him whoever is searching for their identity, that they would follow the, the lines and the the origin back to their father you know, their heavenly father. <laughs> my wife is from Guyana. Um, my parents are Dutch, so I'm very white, meaning, <laughs> quite frankly, I burn very easily. <laughs> yeah. My, my wife can burn. You just don't notice it. <laughs> but it's interesting because years after we got married and I've been we've been married for 25 plus years, uh, years after we got married, I saw the term online on social media about interracial marriages Mm -hmm. and, and actually, when I first read it, I, I thought to myself, I wonder what that is. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd never heard the term before in my life. And I thought, oh, that's kind of uh -huh. a strange term. And then when I realized what it meant, it's like, oh, I didn't realize there was a classification for that, <laughs> you know, to be honest. I live uh -huh. in a very multicultural city in Toronto. Um, sure. And even when we had kids, um, they didn't know anything about color or any of that stuff. I mean, I think it's great when kids don't know there's a difference. You know, when they mm. were both in kindergarten, like they had friends from different countries and stuff, and they didn't think anything of it. And mm -hmm. and they probably didn't till they were a little older. Mm -hmm. So when I saw the video, I am third culture, it kind of struck me as a, one part of me says, do we need that? Do we need to show mm. people that? And the other part is, I guess so, based on yes. my experience, you know, mm. like people don't mm. understand that people are from different cultures with different ethnicities from different yeah. countries, mixed marriages and everything else. So mm -hmm. is that kind of what prompted some of that for you? It sure was, you know, um, 
having the stark contrast of the cultures in my home every day to navigate. Um, and, and to your point, when you're living it, it's not odd to you. It's it's normal to you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and, it, and only be in it. But it only becomes odd when you go into spaces that you're the alien. Mm-hmm. And um, and I and, you know, when I grew up as a kid, you know, in, in the 80s, it was I grew up in a small rural town in Maryland. So mm-hmm. very homogeneous. It was everybody's you know, mostly, you know, white. And um, my mom was like one of the only, you know, minorities in that small town of maybe a thousand people. And so in that our school, you know, it, I just kind of like the video explains, you know, I just kind of, I was made fun of by, you know, that's what kids do. And uh, so, but when I would go to the Korean church with my mom, I was the alien there Mm -hmm. the other way. Yeah. Uh, and that's what caused the, you know, just I, I, I didn't understand it. And it, like I said, it, it just made caused me to be insecure and self-aware. And, um, so that's it. It was that struggle that that forced me to kind of really find out who I was. And but then, it, you know, it's like for all of us that those things that uh, are problematic in our own lives become bridges to people though, of where you can connect with them and um, you know, have a conversation about what makes us in, more in common than what makes us different. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I, I noticed my wife didn't even understand when I would explain to her, uh, and she could probably even talk yeah. about this, that like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when he started sharing about this, cause I'm from Southern California where it was very diverse and like seeing intercultural marriages and everything is very normal. And so when he would come to him, I'd be like, what's the big deal? Like, that's cool. Like you're, you're mixed. And until, and then I went to go visit and I kind of got to see like where he grew up, but then how I was able to attach myself to this, I mean, it was very real for Vaughn. And the way I was able to attach to this is to be like, you know, we all have our unique cultural fingerprint because there's not one journey on life that is the same. And everything in our life is God can use and is God ordained. And so we turned, we started to use the word misfit that because everybody feels out of place somewhere, no matter where you grow up and where you're at, as we grow up, we're all trying to find and navigate our way. But then the kind of with third culture is, is you take on whatever it is that has been given to you and you remix it and you become this mixed fit, which is your own remix, which is only you. Like there's only one fingerprint, but there's also one, only one of you, your unique identity. And so we wanted to help people realize that they belong and that their uniqueness is not going to ever fit in one box because we're all, you know, a melting pot. Right. So whatever it is. And so I felt like even for Zion, he goes around and is like, I'm a third, I'm a third culture kid. Like he's a little (laughs) bit of all his influences. He's not just one thing. And I think that's beautiful for us as even, you know, as Christians and that Jesus is like the, um, He's the number one third culture kid coming in, consuming and immersing himself into a culture that wasn't his, but to be a bridge and to use and to find a way um, to connect that way. And I think it was beautiful. It helped me to understand Vaughn's struggle with it as well. When he said he went to, uh, was it Korea? You can talk about that, about um, a place where he was there. And um, actually, you should tell that story. 
Well, I was actually in China and I was still trying to figure myself out. And um, I went to this place and a, a, a gentleman who was leading the tour was uh, uh, an American. He was a white uh, American who had been in uh, China for like nine years, learned to speak the language fluently, was a translator. And he went to this restaurant and they, he was trying to get us a table. And he would say, he would speak to the, the stewardess in Mandarin Chinese, and she would speak back to him in broken English. No room for you. No. And, hmm. uh, and then he would speak back to her in her native tongue and, he, and she would, uh, speak back to him. Uh, no, no seat for you. No. And then he came, like, I happened to be just standing there. He's like, did you just see what happened? And he's, I was like, yeah. I was like, what was that all about? He's like, well, I speak to her in her language and she speaks back to me in broken language in English. He's like, because she doesn't respond to what she hears. She responds to what she sees. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. sees an American male. And he says, you know, you have an opportunity to connect with them. Like I never would because of your Asian features in your face. He's yeah. like, you have an opportunity to become a bridge. And it, that was the first time where like I, f- I had this kind of awareness that was like, okay, there's, there, there's could be purpose in, in our, how I'm made up. Um, and so it caught, it put me on this journey to where I felt like it was the first time I felt like someone said, I belong to something mm-hmm. and, um, and not just that you don't belong. And so, you know, it just put me on this kind of campaign for my own life to figure, to, to help people feel that like they belong. So, you know, yeah. and so did you yeah. get the table? <laughs> we did eventually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it worked. So it worked. Just want to, yeah. just want to prove it works, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I think the interesting thing too, is that if you look where it's been posted that I am third culture spoken word, there's people who are handicapped who are saying, Hey, does, does I am third culture? Is mm. this it? I'm like, absolutely. It doesn't have to yeah. be just about your skin color or where you grew up. It has to do with the uniqueness, the struggles, everything that is that is part of who you are. Mm. That's right. what makes you that unique mix fit. There's no replica and you bring it all together. And I think it's beautiful that people are identifying to this way beyond. There's so many different cultures. Cultures are, sure. are huge. Have you copyrighted the the phrase or the word mix fit? We haven't. No. Um, what you waiting yeah, on? I, That's yeah. <laughs> well, it makes a great hashtag too. So right, yeah, it sure does. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I, I. You know, it's interesting how you describe all that because really, when you think of it, we're all minorities these days. Right. We're all so diverse, whether it be skin color, language. Um, you know, disabilities uh, or the mm-hmm. way we live our life. In, in a sense, we're all mixed fits, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's that's why I feel because we've, we believe in it to put our, our energy into it is that, I mean, it doesn't take long. Listen to the news. There's a struggle for identity. Right. And there, it, it is something that is really, I think, that is plaguing our our world right now is that people don't know who they are and when you don't know who you are you will search you will experiment you will try and you'll act out even uh out of frustration of of that trying to discover out who you really are 
And I, and that's why like, even like we've developed a clothing line around, you know, mix fit and yeah. um, that we, it's, it's the clothe and, you know, the mission statement of that is to clothe people with the idea that they belong, you know, cause we believe that any conversation about who you are will ultimately lead back to your, your origin, your true origin, mm-hmm. who is our creator. So that's kind of our mission in that. Well, speaking of who you are, mm-hmm. you guys lead worship, you're musicians and the whole music piece. How would you say your interculturalism has mm-hmm. influenced your music? Yeah, I would say it's, it's, it's a very natural um, inclusion um, because it just us being honestly expressing who we are, it just naturally mm-hmm. comes out, um, you know, Irene comes from Spanish, uh, music world as um, you know, and then also enjoys other, uh, genres of music as well. And then with my, you know, I actually grew up with a lot of my church experience has been in actually African-American church setting. Yeah. Um, you know, and then now we're, you know, we're, uh, translating our songs into Korean and into Spanish and that's awesome. Um, yeah. Trying to integrate that too. And then, Musically, it's kind of a hybrid. You know, we've even come through some of the experiences of, you know, just finishing. We just released a new EP not too long ago and um, called The Love Trip, which is basically about, uh, you know, just trying to create music that would be like a sound, a mixtape soundtrack for people to kind of discover God more. Right. Um, and, And even just the journey of trying to find, you know, radio support and everything. It's like we've gotten from both sides that like, uh, it doesn't quite sound gospel-y enough <laughs> for us. And then it's like, and then on the other side, it's like, ah, it's a little too edgy. It's a little too, right. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, even Listen. in our music, we're mixed fits, you know, it's, uh, and, and, you know, it's like every creative, it's like you would, you would want to belong, uh, in a sense, but then in other ways, it's like, it's embrace cool. it. We, we embrace it. Like, okay. That's it. Yeah. We, we don't sound like everything else out there. And that's right. Maybe that's not, maybe that's not a bad thing. Well, don't get offended. Don't get offended by, by the radio guys, because (laughs) (laughs) I am, I'm a radio guy and yeah, you're trying to find the right sound for the radio station. And I've, uh, I was talking with, uh, I don't know, a year or two ago with a hip hop artist, a local hip hop artist. And he seemed offended that, you know, radio wasn't playing his music. And there's, there's a, a couple of things that come to mind when I hear somebody say that, first of all, maybe your music isn't very good, but, but, <laughs> but, in, but in his, that was not the case for him. It, it's just mm. not the style of music that necessarily a Christian radio station is playing because sure. obviously Christian radio stations need to make money and they make mm-hmm. money by advertising and the advertising is going to be based on listenership, right? And yeah. so right. if it's not a popular sound, it's not necessarily that it's not good music. It's just there mm-hmm. there are reasons, underlying factors mm-hmm. that are beyond your control. But it's not to say that music sucks or anything either. So <laughs> <laughs> just, just being blunt and honest, you know? Yeah, yes. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, man. Do you still listen to cassettes and eight tracks? I mean, that's a lost love right there. Yeah, sure. I I have not listen to eight tracks in a long time right because uh, you can't get an eight track player probably it's right, not in your yeah. car so but i do, i do i'm an avid vinyl collector so oh, okay like I, I love listening nice. to vinyl records um it's become 
almost like collecting baseball cards to me. Like, you know, I have, everyone's got their favorite artist or albums in the past. And to, you know, it's fun to go to old record stores, antique shops, and to find records that you're looking for from, uh, that you remember or that you uh, cherish. Uh, so that's that's become a, a little hobby of mine, too. I would like to be a vinyl collector. I never was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I, I, you know, I don't have the equipment and I'd probably be pretty picky. Like I've got a home studio with, you know, top of the line gear and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. have a record player, if I can use that. Right, term. right. Um, mm-hmm. I'd probably end up buying a really expensive unit with a really, really expensive needle because that's <laughs> that's what makes the sound. But I would probably lean towards. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I would say th- thanks for that. Just aged me right there. I would probably lean towards new music uh, on vinyl as compared yeah. to the old music. And the only reason for that is because my fear would be if I buy a used record uh, that w- that there would be scratches on scratches on it and it wouldn't mm-hmm. sound as good. That would be the only mm-hmm. reason, right? I would I would want to buy the new stuff that's sealed and hasn't been played before. That would be the only thing for me. Wow. Mm. Well, I tell you, for me, like I um, and I'm sure you, you would you would notice the distinction as well. Is like the the mix of pop music and modern music is it's very different from you know the 80s and the 70s and the 60s. Yes. When they played Obviously. real instruments. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> And, and then, they didn't so have so, quarters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. And there's something so kind of it's it's it feels human. Like it's yes. Like, I almost I almost crave to hear the imperfection. And yeah. um, it, it just it's I don't know for my ear it really, uh, you know it's everything's not as compressed and digital. Right. Um, and there's so it's I don't know it, it I it just it's a nice kind of reset I think for my ear. Um, mm-hmm. that I enjoy about it. Vaughn, where yeah. are you able to, uh, where are you able to find vinyl? Like they still have stores or yeah, you have they, to they buy do. them online? Or? I've bought a couple, like um, what I would say, like are some pieces that I really want, like some uh, Oscar Peterson albums um, that, and some Miles Davis stuff that I've bought online, yeah. you know, um, and they grade them and they show the, you know, the actual record so you can kind of inspect them, you know, that as soon as they grade them, you know, you're paying more though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So those, and, and, and uh, you're willing to do that for sure. know, some of your, your centerpieces. Sure. But, um, I've, I have found a lot antique shops, you know, like, uh, we, our okay. family has recently, like uh, we just enjoyed and just going to antique shops and just looking around. And, mm-hmm. uh, there's a there's a lot of vinyl around these antique shops, and then there's wow. also a lot of um, you know in certain uh, small towns um, or you know main streets. There's uh, it's not too uncommon to find like these trendy record shops that you know that carry old vinyl. Like it's 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 almost coming back in style. Um, Are they yeah, expensive? T- t- um, usually not at the record shops. Uh, you know, there'll okay. be maybe 10, 15, you know, um, and then up, you know, if you have like some iconic albums like the Beatles and they start to get, you know, like you can get up to 50, 50 bucks or something. Okay. Um, okay. One of my prized possessions is a, I have a, uh, first run factory sealed thriller album. Wow. Uh, from, That's uh, gotta be worth a fortune. 
Yeah, I'm not sure how how much it's worth. Uh, I paid. Uh, I didn't actually didn't pay too. Like I fu- I found like an amazing deal from a guy. I don't think he realized what he had. But um, <laughs> but yeah, but the the there's there are some there's quite a few sealed thriller albums out there. But a lot of yeah. them have the stickers on it, like uh, of like that it won a Grammy or award-winning album so it was their later runs so this was okay, before okay. it it was it on its first run that was you know it didn't have some of the other stickers on it so yeah that's awesome i may have told yeah. this story before um aisha i'm not sure if i mentioned this to you or if it was a couple of years ago or whatnot um way back when i attended a church and we were in the process of replacing the main speakers in the church so we had hired a company to come in and install and we got a, a price break if we showed up and helped. <laughs> so, so obviously we want to church. Yeah. We want a price break. So, so we, we helped install these things being, you know, hanging it, you know, above the yes. ceiling and the rafters or whatever else, tying it down and, and making sure they were all secure and stuff. When they were running the sound through it and trying to get the EQ balanced, the song they played was thriller. Because the song is so um, sonically there, like it's 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 got all the bells and whistles and all the different sounds you would want to hear just to make sure everything's clear and crisp and and you can Mm -hmm. hear the low end and the high end and everything else. That was the song they played. And, And back then, that wasn't a song that you would play in church. (laughs) <laughs> right. But they had this thing cranked. And it I mean, I'm glad they did, because I learned a lot just on on the song itself. Like I listened to it as a teenager and stuff. And you crank it on your Walkman. There's another term for you. You crank it on your Walkman yeah. and, and and whatever. But, it, you know, I didn't appreciate it as much until they cranked it through the church speakers. Wow. So but you're yeah. telling me you've got this thriller album that you haven't even opened. Correct. That's yeah, amazing. it's actually it's actually framed on my wall. Yeah, I have like a. Have it in a vinyl record. I uh, think that's just a waste. Frame. That's you know. <laughs> I, well, I have I have a I have a a, a uh, another. I have the Thriller album that I can listen to though too. Oh, okay, so okay, I ha- yeah. <laughs> so how do you know there's an actual album in that? In <laughs> yeah. that? <laughs> well, I I that's a that's a great point. You know, like I could have been sold, uh, just a piece of cardboard. Piece of cardboard. Yeah. That's right. yeah. <laughs> But at least it's framed and it looks good. Yeah, sure, sure. It's a great story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So now you are a worship leader. You are part of a, a relatively small church, I guess, in San Jose, California. Uh, yeah, correct. What, what is correct. small? What is small? Uh, well, um, it's kind of hard now, you know, because with the pandemic and everything, it's affected everybody. But before the pandemic, where we're probably around five to six thousand. Um, in attendance. So that was a little and sarcasm on my part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How do you manage yeah. a group that large? Is it multiple locations? There, um, there are multiple locations. Um, most of the, uh, of that number though, is the central location though, the, uh, in, in San Jose. So it's, it's multiple services. So they, that would be through four services on a weekend one Saturday and three on Sunday. Now the three on Sunday parking must be mm-hmm. a nightmare. Yeah. It's not, it's not the, uh, the fun part, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, you know, through 
through the police and everything and volunteers, it's navigated rather well. So you just yeah. hope the first service didn't run too long because that's, that's what I've seen yeah. in churches where, you know, <laughs> the first service is supposed to end at a certain time. And then you've got that oh leeway and that time to be able to move traffic out and move traffic in yeah. as far as parking. But first service ends late. It's just shot for the rest of the day. Domino right? effect. Though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it affects the kids ministry. Like they're oh, yeah. really, it really uh, makes their job difficult as well. So that's primary objectives is, you know, end on time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the spirit is moving. The spirit is yeah, moving. Yeah. <laughs> He's moving you to hurry up and that's get right. out of the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you guys do uh, original material in your worship sets? Absolutely. Yep. We do a lot of original material. Yeah. Um, and there's also, we've done two, two projects with the church as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that is under cathedral worship, but a lot of, um, our songs are on there. A lot of, uh, Vaughn songs are on there. Um, and it's a very multicultural, multi-generational, multi-everything church, which is really great that, that uh, the Lord called us there. Uh, so it works because you can, in one service, there's a you can put a little bit of everything in there and it just works. I love church. that. Yeah. It's a, it's a mixed fit church. <laughs> it is. So absolutely. <laughs> now, does, does the congregation know that it's original music or, you know how when you attend a church and you just... You're participating in worship and you just know the songs, but a lot of times you don't know if it's a elevation song or a hill song or Maverick City or whatever else. And and you're just singing and you just think it's a great song, but you don't know that it's unique to your Mm -hmm. church. No one else is singing this song, but you don't know that. Do do people do people know if it's your song or if it's uh, unique to your church? I think I think yes and no. I think there's there's been times where we just incorporate it. and we don't necessarily tell people, uh, people may ask and they'll find out that way. Um, and then there's like, there's been a couple numbers that we wrote like specific for, uh, a sermon, you know, and they'll introduce the song as like, Hey, this is our, the song that we just like a pastor did a, a series called I am courageous. And he came to me with like a little, and this is the first and only time he's ever done this. He's like, I feel like I have, like, uh, I feel like I have a little bit of a song. Would you help me write it? And long story short, we wrote a song together and it was kind of the feature. Uh, it's a, the newest single from our church. And it was kind of like, you know, uh, just uh, encaptured the whole series uh, that he was sharing. And um, yeah, it became a song that way for our church. So he gets writing credits on there. He does. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And is he musically inclined at all? Or is this the first, like you said, it's a first this, for him, but it, yeah, does he have I, the ability? He, he does not refer to himself as a musician. Like he can, he can certainly carry a tune and he plays a little bit of guitar. And so uh, he did a great job just giving me kind of like the melodic hook and a lot of the, the words that are in the song. Now I, I tried to use as much as, as he gave me. Right. And um, yeah, it was, it was it was a fun experience. I attended a church years ago where we had a pastor who could not keep a tune. Like he <laughs> had absolutely no, uh, like he was the senior pastor. He was the lead pastor. He had no musical ability whatsoever. And I was the sound guy. And so he's wearing his lav mic and you see him 
And during the service, like you see him praising and singing and everything mm-hmm. else. I'm thinking, and of course he had, he had his mic turned off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he would turn it on right before he would go up. Cause ideally you'd want to keep it on the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then I would listen in queue and, and hear if he's actually singing or not. He actually a few times <laughs> did leave the mic on. Can I tell you, he was an awful singer. Yeah, exactly. But, pastor, bless your heart. But, <laughs> but you know what he did a lot? He, he was lip syncing a lot of the time. If, oh, if it was okay. right before he had to go up and speak and he had to turn on his mic because he didn't, you don't want to hear the thump or whatever of him turning on yeah, the lav mic. Uh-huh. So he would be, he'd turn on the mic and he'd be yeah. up there worshiping and, but he was lip syncing and you would never oh, know it. God. And you do what you have to do, right? Cause you have to, you're, you're right. visually in front of people and you have to be an example to people. You can't just not sing. Uh, unlike right, me right, where right, I just right. don't sing, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying I don't have musical ability. I do. I just, uh, we've had discussions about this in the past, Aisha. I, I tend not to sing as much as I'd like to because I don't want to lose my voice right, because right. I, I get paid to talk on the morning show. And if my voice mm. is shot for a Monday morning, I, that's, that's my livelihood. So I You'd be tend, in trouble, yeah. So I tend not to sing just because I, I like to belt it out with the harmonies and, and mm. then I'll, mm. I'll just kill my voice doing that. But yeah, it's interesting <laughs> that you've got a pastor <laughs> who wants to help write a song and he, and he doesn't call himself musical. So. Yeah, it's very cool. And might, might I add, you have a very, you have a beautiful voice. <laughs> Absolutely. I was, I'd rather my wife said that, but thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, knew you, I knew you were going. You know that was coming, Aisha? Yes, I did. <laughs> so you've got, you've got several thousand people attending your church. And when you have to introduce a new song, what is that like? Is it something that you kind of, um, bring in slowly? Obviously, you know, you need the worship team to learn the song first, but how do you introduce it to the congregation that big? Well, I'll tell you, I, in my experience, um, if I feel like if, if you don't treat it like a new song, sometimes it, it goes over better that way. Like if you treat mm-hmm. like if you, I find, sometimes it, it finds it feels a bit cumbersome to be like, okay, everybody, hold on, we're gonna try something new. <laughs> like it's, it's right, like right. embracing for it. It's kind of like it's it's a, like I feel like people people's capacity to learn is really high. Like um, sure, sure. It's it's it's. I think it's a lot higher than we give ourselves credit for. I'll, I'll put it that way. Especially if it's an easy to understand or easy to sing chorus. And then if there's a more complicated verse, but they already know the chorus, it's probably easier for them to learn that as well. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like if, if the song is produced well and there's great, like sonically, it sounds strong and it doesn't sound like it is wavering or like it is uh, unsure. I, I feel like it creates the experience that people are, feel comfortable to jump into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. I, I remember watching, you know, like you watch clips of kids going to these concerts of like Beyonce or, or any rap artist, And they're just, they're, they memorize every lyric. Yeah. It's just like, mm-hmm. and there's, and just like, how do they all know all this stuff? Like the, I think like <laughs> in the church world, we, we, we feel like, I don't know, like people are incapable of, of learning and singing a few words. And I think that, Sometimes we uh, we don't give ourselves enough credit that I think we are capable of, yeah. you know, learning some things and being able to jump in. So, um, yeah, I, I it, it's it's prepping your team well. Um, yeah. But then I, I feel like, too, it's like if you don't act like it's 
new and uh, a an iffy uh, adventurous kind of effort, then it gives people the confidence to jump in. My kids hop in the car and they'll want to switch to their kids. radio station. And so they do. Mm. And every single song, they know the lyrics to. Mm. Like, I, I, like I don't impressive. know how they can memorize. It's all about capacity. Well, mm. and maybe I just don't have capacity anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, used sure to, do. I used to memorize phone numbers, but who memorizes phone numbers anymore, That's right? right? It's all in the That's speed right. dial, right? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of kids, is Zion playing any instruments or singing or where is he musically? He definitely has a musical uh, leaning, but he's learning piano, a little bit of drums. Awesome. And um, he sings. But, you know, around church, everybody's always saying, hey, are you going to be the sing like your mom and daddy? So right now he says no, but at home he yeah. loves to sing. So, yeah, <laughs> we're super excited for him, getting him a little station set up so he can start making his own songs because he makes his All own right. songs and sings nice. about everything yeah. from applesauce to <laughs> cookies or whatever. <laughs> how, how old is he? He's nine. He's nine. Okay. Now the piano oh, lessons, is that by choice or is that, you know, he's being forced to that? He's being forced. <laughs> no, hey. it is. It's by choice. It's by mom's choice. It's by mom's choice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think if there's one thing that parents should do is to force their kids to take piano lessons, whether they are musically inclined or not, because I think mm -hmm. there's huge learning stuff in there, whether it's mm -hmm. just oh, yeah. simple reading music or learning notes and, mm -hmm. you know, even if they're not musically inclined, I think it's a good experience because I think it really does prepare you for school later on, discipline. Um, right. mm -hmm. I took piano lessons as mm -hmm. a kid. I couldn't stand it. And and then having mm -hmm. to do practice during the week, like really? Mm -hmm. right. I've got a keyboard in my home studio. Do I ever play it? No, I should. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, but I Look, think it's a great experience. For kids. I, well, so I like to think so. Somewhere. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's exactly Zion said how long do I have to do it and at first I said we're going to try it out but then I got smart because he really pays attention so I said and when you get out of school 12th grade <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, he's locked but in no. <laughs> no I just gave him that to give me the room so I don't have to keep having the conversation but yeah but the other, he enjoys it but the other thing you could do too especially if you if he's complaining about the piano just say well mm -hmm. no you, you can stop playing piano what other instrument do you want to play instead like kind of give them the choice of it's not right. a quitting music. It's like, okay, mm. what musical instrument do you want to move to instead? And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, cause maybe there'll be guitar or, or right. God, God help your drums, you know, we have a drum kit. We have a drum kit. It was a gift. So it just kind of happened, but yeah. Yeah, well, it's oh, not going to wow. be a gift once he starts playing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, it's oh, that oh, thing oh, when oh. you're raising kids, you're like trying to find out what they're into, what they like and, sure. you know, kind of exposing them to different things. And, um, even just speaking of third culture around the corner from our house, I didn't try to do this, but right around the corner from our house, there is a Korean church and they had like a Korean language school on Friday nights. So wow. at four years old, five years old, I enrolled Zion <laughs> to go awesome. to Korean school and he just went for two years, didn't really learn the complete language, but it had sure. like an impact on him. He knew something. And then we're learning a little bit of Spanish. And so just kind of dabbling in everything, but just thinking that all those things are going to be kind of tools here and there. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but piano, yes, we're sticking with it for sure. I hear you. <laughs> Wait, so you, in, you enrolled Zion for the uh, language school. How come you didn't mm -hmm. 
enroll yourself too. <laughs> I would have, but they didn't have, they weren't, a lo- it was for kids only. So it was just for kids. I hear you. I'm sure they have I adult programs too. They must. I'm sure they do, but not around the corner but, from but, my house. And, and you haven't bothered to look into it, obviously. Absolutely. I've learned some important things from Vaughn. Hello, goodbye, thank there you, you and all those things. And Vaughn has been doing great with Spanish. He knows how to order food and say hello. So. There you go. All of that stuff is great for trips, though. If you're going on trips anywhere out of the country, that's mm-hmm. to, to have that ability to pick up the languages and, and learn a few words. I mean, I... I will go to the Caribbean or somewhere warm just to get away, but I usually don't take the time to learn any language or anything like that, except, you know, right. maybe hello, goodbye, you know, what's on the menu, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's great to have a second or third or fourth language. Yeah. Okay. So tell me this. Do you know what I'm saying? Hallo meine Freunde in Deutschland. You're asking me this? That's, yes. not, that's not Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> I, can tell you, I can tell you, that's not Dutch. What was that? What was was that an attempt or something? Because that wasn't Dutch. It was an attempt. It was something that I learned like years and years ago. Can you say it again? Um, say it again. Hallo, <laughs> meine Freunde in Deutschland. Yeah, I don't know that that's Dutch, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it was in Germany. It was in Germany. Okay, yeah. that, that sounds more German. Um, yeah, it is. It's German. Yeah. The, the languages, the languages are similar, but but not yes. quite the same. So kind of like um, like Portuguese and Spanish, yeah. Would you say Irene? Portuguese, Portuguese and Spanish. They're almost. The same. Oh like yes, the, yes, yes. Oh, there's a lot of words. Absolutely, yes. Zion yeah. is taking Latin in school. And it's that's amazing awesome. how many of those words are like, oh, that's in Spanish, mesa, table. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of things are all intertwined. So it's, it's pretty cool. When Comes I was back to us being mixed fits. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> yes. Hey, listen, I appreciate both of you. Thanks for uh, hanging with us on Between the Grooves. Um, it was a great conversation. I enjoyed it. Yes, indeed. Oh, Me too. Well, thank, thank you guys. Uh, we totally enjoyed it. Super mm-hmm. honored, super grateful. Yeah, and it was it was a blast talking with you guys. You guys do a great job. Yes, I, you do. I, I wanna, <laughs> oh, like, thanks. I, uh, you guys are a great team, and I actually want to hear some of your other shows now. Yeah, are fun to, to engage with. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. We we like to have fun, and and uh, I'll say you know there's always you know some some meat and potatoes in the conversation, but there's also some sure. uh, some dessert and, and some fun stuff that we like to- <laughs> Appetizers kind of like, too. Appetizers, <laughs> exactly. So glad you enjoyed it. Glad you guys were, uh, were having fun as well. Oh, we love it. We love it. Thank yeah, you so thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you both. <laughs> thank right, you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. All right, guys. Y'all God bless. Do the same. Thank you. Appreciate it. God bless. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Vaughn Thompson, what a great conversation. Um, Man, I, I just love him. I love his heart. And he's he's so knowledgeable. Yeah. He's one of those guys that, like, he is very, very intelligent. Like, he's unassuming. That's that's mm-hmm. what I should say. He's very unassuming. And um, I just have such an appreciation for his heart and his ministry. Um, just a really, really great guy. And Irene, she's just a sweetheart. Mm. Man, just some folks you're just really glad to know. You know. I just appreciate how he's seen a need and he's built a ministry around it. 
Like, and it's not like he's, you know, mm-hmm. this is a financial thing for him. This is just a need right. in, in his community. And, and how are we going to deal with this need? What can we do about this? And how can we, right. you know, welcome people with open arms, no matter what background they are? You know, and it's not just mm-hmm. nationality, mm-hmm. it's it's lifestyles and everything else. Like, you know, right. you talk about in the Bible about, you know, Jesus being a friend of the sinners. He wasn't mm-hmm. hanging out with mm-hmm. the Pharisees, right? He was hanging out with the, right. you know, with the people that weren't, you know, didn't have a great resume, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So those that didn't fit in. Exactly. And that's, that's what that conversation yeah. was all about. So yeah, I really enjoyed that with Vaughn. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking back to our original uh, thing we were talking about right at the, uh, at the start of our, of this, of this episode and, uh, and food and I'm I'm getting hungry. Like I'm thinking back on you know just having this deja vu now about about food and oh my all that deliciousness. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. uh, you know my wife is from Guyana, so before I met her, I never had you know any real experience with authentic uh, Caribbean food. Um, mm-hmm. Roti curry. Yes. I mean, my yes. favorite foods right now are roti with. Chicken curry without the bones. Mm-hmm. I say without the bones. It's, yes. it's it tastes better with the bones. I'm told, but I just I cannot I cannot eat that slow. <laughs> right? I can't eat. It's so delicious. I can't eat that slow. Right? I need to be eating this stuff, and it's faster if there's no bones. Let me tell you. You you said chicken curry, right? Right. You have to see. Curry chicken. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I can't do the accent. So there's a right. Listen, there's a right way to eat it and there's a right way to say it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So enough about food. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's get into some some other food, some other meat. (laughs) We've got um, some advice from Tyler Roberts, all the way from Red Rocks Worship. Your job is very simple. Um, it, enc- it encompasses two things. One, your first and foremost job is to just bless the presence of God. It is to worship Jesus. And so you go first in doing that. Um, every time you step up to do it, you, that's exactly what you do. You don't do it to, to, to earn anything from your senior leadership. You don't do it to perform. You don't do it to, um, I don't know, wow anybody. You do it to bless the Lord with excellence. Bless the Lord. And then the second thing is... Um, your job after the after you are worshiping God and your focus is right where it needs to be, your second job is to be a worship leader, to get people from there. We say this all the time, to get people from there to Jesus. There is um, the story of the lady who lost her husband and her, and her kids are teenagers. Um, there is the, the, the husband whose wife cheated on him and she left him. There is the 18 year old who's trying to decide where he's going to college or or, or maybe I don't want to go to college, or, or the other person that's struggling with XYZ, depression, anxiety, yada, yada, yada. We get them from there to Jesus, right? And the way we do that is we lead them to Jesus. Um, those are the two things. It starts with your worship to the Lord and making sure that you're focused where it needs to be. And then it's, okay, now my job is to lead people to Jesus. Um, because at the end of the day, the only reason we have worship leaders is because people need to be led. Otherwise, if we didn't need to be led, we would all just be called worshipers. That's what we do. So um, be a worship leader and lead them, get them from there, wherever their situation is, wherever, 
whatever's going on in their life to Jesus, get their eyes off their problems, get their eyes on to Jesus, um, and then let him do the work. A couple of things I like about what Tyler had to share there. I mean, first of all, he talks about it's not a show, and I've always been an advocate of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I tire so much of seeing social media posts from uh, people in the music business, in the Christian music business, that talk yes. about, you know, just had a great show last night. And that just drives me right. nuts. It, it, like, just don't use that terminology. Don't use those words. It just, mm-hmm. It's just wrong, in my opinion, unless it's, it's a pop show. Like, but if, it's, if there's any element right. of worship in there, let's not call it a show, right? Right, um, right. Call it a gig if you want, but just not a show. <laughs> um, but I, I like what he also had to say, and he just, he just glossed over it in, in, in part when he talked about you know, worship and blessing the Lord with excellence. And I think that's really important yes. to note as well. The excellence, like do our best, give our best. Right. 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 And then just talking about a worship leader taking us from here or there, as he said, to Jesus. And then right. he starts giving all these examples of these different people at different phases of their life. And I'm thinking that's what Vaughn was talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. just love the similarities there. I love it too. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. And that's what counts. That's what we're here for. You know, I remember um, speaking with another artist friend of mine. Um, he's, he's passed now, but one thing he said, he was like, Aisha, when it's all said and done, I'm just the donkey he's riding. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, we are here to point people to Jesus. And that's what our purpose is. So thanks for that, yeah. Tyler. Thank you very much, Tyler. And thanks to Vaughn and his wife for uh, swinging by all the way from California to, uh, yeah. to have a chat with us. Really appreciate them as well. And thank you for listening to Between the Grooves. Uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Leave your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to Faith Strong Today's Between the Grooves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider sharing it with your friends, rating our podcast, or giving us some love on your socials to your amazing friends and followers will only help us reach more people. We'd also love to hear from you and share your feedback in an upcoming episode. Send your video or written message to Aisha and James on Facebook and Twitter at Between Grooves or email us anytime. Hello at faithstrongtoday.com. 